Hey everybody, uh, welcome back. We're here for the Better Call Saul Insider Podcast, episode number 208. This one is called Fifi. I'm here with my co-host, Chris McCaleb. Hello. Hello, Chris. Thanks for coming in on Sunday. Absolutely. Oscar uh, Sunday. Still Oscar oh, Sunday. Still, still Oscar, Oscar Sunday. Sunday. <laughs> we did, we did, did three. This is our third one of the three. That's right. All on Oscar Sunday. This uh, eight, All out of order also. Eight, yep. six, and nine. That's right. Yeah. And, we're, and we're welcoming Kelly Dixon back because... Uh, that's correct. We're going to keep doing that every yeah. every, every podcast from <laughs> yeah. now on. We're glad to have you back, Kelly. Because you, you, you were sick you. for uh, episode seven. For I was the really, yeah, I was sick. We had I, kind of a rogue podcast without you. It went. I it, can't wait to hear it. The I'm wheels really came off. <laughs> the wheels came off the bus. That's my okay. my yeah, Mike Berimanchow definitely was feeling his oats, right, Mike? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's off. He's not quite on mic today, but yeah. <laughs> wow, I uh, can't wait to hear. We, it. we prefer doing them with you rather than without you. Absolutely, I appreciate that. I appreciate, it. and I appreciate you guys uh, taking the reins, especially Chris taking the reins on that. I Chris just, did good. I Chris did a good really, job. Really, really not cool. But anyway, I'm back. So cool. Vince Gilligan, Peter Gold, creators uh, of the show. Hey, oh, thanks for you guys being here. Writer of this episode, Tom Fudge Knaus. Talbot. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm going by Fudge today, so don't, if you call me Tom, I'm not answering. You go by Fudge say, every weekend, don't you? I was going to say co-executive <laughs> producer and writer of this episode, Thank Tom Schnauz. Thank you. And uh, we have a special guest today, um, Arielle Levine, who uh, used to be our writer's PA, right? Yep. Arielle, say hi. Hi, hello. And uh, I hear, didn't you get a little bit of a promotion? Did you get a promotion? Yes. That's right. But you will be our our new writer's assistant. New writer's assistant, yes. The writer's assistant. That's right. uh, That's awesome. We are so lucky to have you. You are just, I can't even tell you how wonderful Arielle is. And she's going to wind up running uh, Hollywood within a few short years. Absolutely true. And she, she will talk more about her contribution to this episode and the many episodes this season. That's true. There's a a lot of on-screen, a lot of on-screen work that is attributable directly to Ariel. So and she's like a chess genius too, which that's, is that's, I don't want to talk about. It's that. very she's the only <laughs> one she's the only one who handily beats yeah, Tom. Yeah. She's beat and, me regularly. And Ariel, how long have you been playing chess? Um about two months. <laughs> <laughs> um I mean, you know, on and off again like since I was a kid. I mean my family's Yeah but you were a kid like, you were a kid like twelve years ago. That's uh, well. that's <laughs> And she is the future of Hollywood. That's true. Oh, you guys are awesome. Thank you. Um, but, you know, only I didn't really start playing seriously f- until a couple of years ago. And then, you know, really taking it seriously when I came here and, and I realized everyone and else played chess. Tom, and I wanted to beat all of them. Tom, how long so. have you been playing chess? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> longer, longer than Ariel's been alive. Yeah. Are you, are you, have you like, you know, tried out for any like tournaments? Are you trying to like, no. No, no. I mean, I play that. online, you know, they're chess online website so oh, yeah? I like to right beat random strangers on the internet oh, in my free well, time this. the smartest thing I have ever done is never play chess with any of you it's, yeah, <laughs> because I'd, I'd, I'd move that first pawn and, and uh, Ariel be like uh, the, the two of us know <laughs> better old man. <laughs> the two of us know better do you ever play chess I, uh, Peter yeah, you and I, we just, uh, checkers no. is more of my speed. No, checkers or t- uh, tic-tac-toe, I'm still I'm still working on. I've got I've got a couple ideas. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to revolutionize. <laughs> got a few I, moves. i got a few moves. <laughs> got a bust a move in tic-tac-toe. Yes. You're being scouted by the tic-tac-toe community. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's a new kid in town. It's Peter a new kid in He's got Lawn darts. <laughs> that's my game, bitches. <laughs> I play that Sharks. shit for real. Lawn darts. Yes. That was way before your time. Do you ever remember long Have you ever heard of lawn darts? I've heard of like regular. There are these like things missiles. are about a foot and a half long. Yes. They have a pointed steel tip. You throw them up in the air. As a, well, you're supposed to throw them 
onto a target, yes. like, you know. But as a kid, we'd throw them straight up in the air and then cover our heads and run. Oh, God. And if they hit you in the skull, they would literally penetrate your skull. Oh, and then, yeah. you'd, then you'd be on TV that night with an x-ray of a lawn dart sticking out of your head. And is that how you win or is that how you lose? That's how like you die. To, well, <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's like, many, so our version I mean, of Russian roulette. What a we didn't have stupid, pistols. stupid idea for a game. <laughs> but these are the good old days when, you when and you hit these are good old days when you transport children by putting them in the back of a an, an open open pickup truck yeah. and get on the freeway. Yeah, Ariel, by the way, there was a time in this country where children did not wear bicycle helmets. That's true. Or seatbelts. What? The best thing I remember when I was a kid, we had a Studebaker Commander, a '65 Studebaker, and my brother and I fought over who could lie in the shelf of the rear window <laughs> yeah. as my mom drove through Farmville, Virginia. And we loved it when, when she had to stop short and we'd go rolling off into the, and bounce off the back seat and then land in the floorboards. That was God. the best thing. Kids were tougher back then. So yeah, you turned out all right. I, tur- I turned all, out fine. Everybody survived. Well, that reminds me. I of turned this. out fine, Dave. <laughs> it reminds me of this thing I was reading about it. It was a. It was a. An We've gotten so far off. It was, the an rails. it was an author's memoir, and he said that they, he had they had one of these station wagons, you yeah. know, where you put, and he and his sister used to stand on the bumper. Like their dad would be driving across country, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like on vacation. On the bumper outside the car. Bumper outside the car and hold on to the the luggage rack and ride through like for you know that's on the fucking interstate awesome. like that. That is awesome. That's a that's that's I a dad. That's a dad is what that is. <laughs> I was like, that's crazy. That's fucking awesome. Look, station wagon surfing <laughs> or, or in a station wagon uh what do you call it wakeboarding or something yeah, 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 yeah. Of. well it prepares you for a dangerous world not unlike the teaser of episode 208 oh, segue, good, good job that's good great. job bringing it back that's why you're here <laughs> this is our third one for the day and we're all a little punchy yeah. <laughs> but boy so, there's a lot to talk about here there is. Oh, man. so this uh this episode is called fifi Fifi. And I'm assuming it's for the big plane that's in, in you know, on the big airfield. And, the one that says Fifi on the side? Yeah. <laughs> does that, that, does I, that make me? <laughs> good guess, Kelly. <laughs> and it was directed by Larissa Kondracki. Yes. Wow. Who directed the, the hell out of it? She did great. And written by the lovely, uh, uh, the lovely and talented Thomas Schnauss. The lovely. Oh. Isn't, that, isn't that nice? <laughs> but he knows he didn't say the wonderful Thomas Schnauss. I know. Well, we, we can't say amazing anymore because in our last podcast, we turned it into a drinking awesome, game. I think. Awesome, I think. Awesome. Awesome. That's wonderful. my awesome. You're right. It was awesome. I, I don't Lovely. think you've got this right. See, your word is wonderful and my word is awesome. Okay. So we'll just we'll just keep keep it, keep it going. <laughs> Who's going to say groovy? Groovy? That's, that, I think that's Tom. That Tom. But so, you did a, did, she yeah, did a groovy job. You did a she groovy did. job. And you did a great job writing it. And it's a great episode. And let's get into it. So how did you guys decide? Um, it, there's, a, there's a really, really long, what we like to call a oneer, meaning that it's all done in one shot. It's a very, very, very long way to open this episode. It was really cool. I mean, you know, you drive into the border crossing and you go all the way through you know, all the little facets and, you know, they go away from our truck for a while. And so when you guys were in prep, what was the idea? I mean, well, we wrote this ambitious teaser, which was a border crossing. And then Larissa decided to make it more complicated by doing it as a one <laughs> That was entirely her idea. She pitched it as a one And I think it, it took me a long time to swing over to her side because I was like, what? You're going to do what? How is this going to work? Uh, luckily, Vince and Peter, were, I felt like they were on board right away they were like this is the this is the coolest thing ever i was a little i was scared i was too i was too uh, this was uh, it was larissa's and and to be fair the whole uh, teaser just to be very uh it, I, she never intended the whole teaser 
That's to right. be a wanner, but the border crossing sequence, she always she said, how about that was completely her yes. idea. As Tom said, how about we make this a wanner? And I think, Peter, I'm think I'm going to speak for both of us here. Tell me if I'm wrong. We were both nervous, made nervous by the idea, but we also very quickly saw how ballsy it was, and we thought, gee, if this doesn't work, we got a real problem. If it does <laughs> work, we've got something people will be talking about. I think it wound up being the uh, the latter, luckily. I th you know, it's, it's interesting because this is part of the collaboration that the, the directors do. And I, I don't think Larissa assumed it was a done deal when she pitched it to us. And I had, I, had, I had all kinds of doubts. I had doubts about it working logistically, but also story-wise, I was concerned. Because the original point of the scene was to show, sequence was to show that the, the truck had been completely searched and had been right. searched very well. And I was concerned that the oneer the oneer wouldn't wouldn't help that. And in fact I think in, in the end it did. It actually helps make the, the story point better than a series of shots would have been. But but also it's if you can't you know, that we bring these these brilliant directors in and sometimes you just you know, you you, you let them swing for the fences. And this was this was uh, this was one of those moments. I have to say when I look at this shot um, it's it's Larissa, but it's every single oh, department, yeah. every single department on yeah. the show, from from the art, every aspect of the art department, all the to camera, getting the background synchronized, and having all those trucks, the ones that aren't digitally created, but there were a lot of actual trucks there that had to be reset, brought back to one, and I mean those the the ads did an amazing job that day. It's but amazing. wait a minute, I this is not my episode, but. What about you guys had to recreate? I mean, you had to make this border crossing, right? Can you this, start back that? This, that? I wish, uh, unfortunately, he was not able to be here. We could do an entire two hours just about this teaser, but I wish that our amazing production designer, Tony Fanning, was on this and, and uh, Bill Pulowski, our uh, amazingly talented. I'm using that word amazing again. Uh, um, but the, the guy, our, it's, our, it's accurate. It is accurate. The, our, our, the gentleman who uh, oversees our visual effects created within the computer. Uh, th this was, a, as these guys said, this was an all hands on deck. And Tom wrote a great scene, and, and Larissa directed the hell out of it. But this, we could talk for an hour just about the making of this shot, but it was shot. Yeah, I think what I wrote was only like three pages. And it was expanded. And it's like sort of make epic, all uh, of these places. Right? This You're this is a form. Three. I remember this number in my head because watching uh, in the uh, and and beautifully, and this is going to sound like a funny thing to say. Beautifully edited. Well, the whole episode beautifully edited, but edited by by Skip McDonald and uh, Curtis Thurber, uh, Skip's assistant. And there is an edit. There is one cut in this in this oneer. This quote unquote wonder. There is one cut in it, and uh, I don't even know if we should say where I it is. Let's just see. Let's just see if people not. can find it or not. Well, and I'll say the amazing thing is that the two halves were shot really far apart as far as time of day, and they were blended together incredibly. By by Ted, our colorist. Yes. Ted 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 did an amazing job. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, that's a goddamn word again, but it does fit. It was and, awesome. And and Bill Pulaski married the the two. So uh, Bill and Ted. Bill, Bill and Ted. Ted. Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted. Uh, these guys really made the cut work like gangbusters. And, and if it, you, it, this was actually shot at a small regional airport. 
uh, what is it? Double right. eagle. It was walk, uh, walk away from where we shot the Fifi scene. Yeah. That's right. Not Nicole. on the same day. It was not a, on the same day. But no. the crew was out there for what three or four days that, straight. That uh, Warner was a one day deal. Just it was a two days. So day. it was actually two days out at the airport. And I think when you right. shot Fifi, oh, right. Fifi was shot first, and the beginning of the day we was devoted to Larissa, yeah. kind of going over what the work right. that was to come. I have That's pictures right. of that, which I'll, I'll post on my Twitter feed after the episode airs. But there's. Uh, Every, well, the whole crew gathered around this map, and Larissa's down there with model cars and things, and and explaining where the camera's going to go is you know very intricate. And, and of course, that it's an airport, so there is a control tower, which which was in frame, and we couldn't avoid. There was uh, the the uh, the border crossing that you see. That was only partial. That was only a partial build. In fact, the actual roof of the border crossing. If you were there on the day, you would have seen. Where it was uh, basically black, what were they like? Basically black flags right. over mm-hmm. the top right. yeah. to help create reflections on the trucks, and or, or that, shade on the trucks. To shade yeah, on yeah. the trucks, yeah. and that was that was digitally the entire mm-hmm. top end of that there's border a, crossing there's a was partial created. Fence that extend that they extended into oh, into the horizon, <laughs> and then the road too, the road and, and yeah, the, road. the line of cars. When you first look back at the line, yeah, the line of trucks, there's it, a point where they they stop being real and start being. I think it's the blue semi-tractor trailer uh, on, mm-hmm. in the near lane, nearest lane to the camera, is uh, from that point backward. It's just an endless line of computer-generated right. trucks. Can you, can you talk about, I mean, I've only seen it once, so um, I have to sort of, I think it, it, it worked this way, where it, it starts back by the trucks, but then it kind of goes along the ground. Is the camera on like a... What's the camera on? It almost seems like it's being driven on a golf cart. It, it's on a uh, they were on a yeah crane yeah. that uh, was brought up up and over the. Uh, oh okay, the so the it's an actual crossing. camera. The, it's, it's a, a camera vehicle. Paul, Paul, our amazing, yeah. our amazing. Camp, a camera operator. He's got uh, he's on a steady cam, yeah, he but he's being it. lifted on a Chapman Titan, which yes. is oh, okay. an old fashioned. We very rarely use crane, this kind right? of crane. Most of the cranes we use uh, are usually uh, much lighter weight because they're yeah. using they're on the on the end of the crane is just the camera and what's called a hot head, which is a remotely mm-hmm. controlled head, and that enables you to move the camera very quickly and enables you to have a very lightweight crane. For this shot, uh, we had we had to bring in a Chapman Titan, which is school. the old school old crane school. that you would see. Uh, you, for instance, you'd see in uh, if you, if you've watched the new Coen Brothers movie, you see you see a couple of these Chapman Titans, and it's it's a beautiful old piece a piece of equipment that's that's still in use. It was probably use. built in the early fifties or probably late forties. Probably was, yeah. and it's an amazing piece of equipment because it's a it's a purpose built movie crane, and it has these giant tires, and it can actually run on an electric motor. So that for, if you need to do dialogue and you need this whole crane to move, you and of course in this particular case that wasn't a, that wasn't a consideration. But it, and it's counterweighted with um, with a, I believe it might be liquid mercury. That's at, it has it has it has right. li- liquid mercury that, that that can be that can be pumped into a yeah. ta- from a tank in the in the truck part of the crane into the rear weighted part. Of course, it's a little bit it's it's a it's something you have to it's. The grips have to work with it very carefully because if you have a counterweighted arm, and the camera operator, as Paul did, has to step on and off the crane. Yeah. If it's not under control, the whole thing moves like a slingshot. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, it's a. This this is a this is it's a remarkable. But I so to me, I love on. the fact that we're using yeah. a piece of equipment that literally could have been it. built in the early fifties and literally could have been used. Uh, I'm not a, this much of an expert on it on the subject, but literally this. 
for all I know, this very same exact crane could have been used on Touch of Evil, which was <laughs> the touchstone and the uh, yes. and a big part of the inspiration for this sequence. Yeah, of course, the, Orson Welles' film, which has at the opening a big oneer that goes over a border crossing. But you're saying he, the <laughs> operator did get on and off of vehicles in the shooting of this. And, yes. and I, so I think someone else of the same weight as Paul with his rig on had to step back, has had to step onto the crane as Jeez. Paul was stepping off, I think. Otherwise, you'd go, the, 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 the counterweighted end would come down like a giant sledgehammer. So. Was somebody filming this as it went, or was it too complicated? Uh, we were just talking about that earlier, and my memory is so bad. I, can't, I don't remember if somebody, there was a crew there. You I don't were know busy. The problem was I don't know where they would have been, would have been yeah, because to we stay were looking out of the way. everywhere. So I don't think they were there that day. Where were you cool. when 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 these? Where were you and Larissa while we the shot was running? In a, one of there was a building right behind the where the border crossing was where we stashed a video village. There was a. I mean, there's just we could talk about this for an hour. There's an. There's a. So there was an. This is Double Eagle Airport. I don't think we said the name. It's a gen, little General Aviation Airport. Uh, it's not Albuquerque uh, International or whatever. It's not the big Albuquerque Airport. It. And like Peter said, there's an air traffic control tower that got digitally erased by Bill Pulowski and his guys. There was a hangar off to the, uh, we're on one side of that, of that long row of trucks, the camera, we the camera, we the viewer, on one side of that long row of traffic. On the opposite side of the, that road, there was a giant aircraft hangar that Bill uh, erased because we asked him to and it's just like oh god don't make me do all this crap but he did such a great job he erased it but when you come around into the truck bay at the end when you're looking out if you look closely that that mm -hmm. hangar has magically reappeared <laughs> and I guess we could ask him to erase it then but it, we almost thought it was kind of a fun Easter egg and it's not real prominent you'd You'd, you wouldn't know to look for it. It almost, it almost looks like it's on our side of the fence. Too. Yeah yeah it, 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 uh, it I don't think most folks listening to this would have I, don't, I wouldn't have caught it myself if, if someone hadn't told me. But uh, That's one of the most impressive parts of the shot to me is that when we're in the actual truck bay, we're looking out towards the border crossing, and Bill has placed the roof of the border yeah. crossing deep in the background yeah. throughout that whole shot. It's, 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 mm -hmm. it's, ama it's an the amazing piece of work. exposure is amazing. I don't, I don't understand, actually, how that was accomplished because it, unless there are they, is there tons of light inside no. that thing no, because uh, our dp arthur albert has a has a little control that controls the iris on the camera and as we were going into the bay he just opened it up and then our color timer helped smooth that out yeah and just ted smooth well, that out yeah. Yeah. but but also but even when we're in there and, and things are evenly exposed i still don't feel like the backgrounds are blowing out mm -hmm. the way that i would expect there them were to. not a lot of, not a lot of light Wow, the that's red, so impressive. I think that's one of the selling points of the red camera system. Of the, the red, uh, what, what we shoot the dragon. Dragon, we do. The red dragon, red dragon has yeah. a was it like a thirteen stop or more range? Yeah, occasionally we test it out. <laughs> yeah, we 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 put it to its limit a lot actually. You want to talk about the great music that Dave Porter did for that sequence? Oh, God, mm. we talk about that for 20 minutes. This is amazing yeah, cue. it's already been 22. This, this, <laughs> I have to say, this is one, I, I love so many of Dave's cues. This is one that I have. I actually got an MP3 so I could play it in my car. And I've been driving back and forth to work with this music. And it, it's such a fascinating piece. It goes through all these, and of course, it has to sustain for how many minutes? It's a five-minute long it's a, piece. The shot itself, the wonder, uh, quote unquote, which is actually a tour uh, hidden, 
is four minutes and 20 seconds. And then the whole teaser, I'm just guessing what is like six. So it's, it's a six minute queue. It's I guess. a six minute queue. And it, it, it you, we've had many a time where we've tried putting um, library music, or not library, but pre-existing music into a long, a long space like that. And it often, especially if it's, uh, it's, if it's electronic, it often gets repetitive. And it's, it's one of the things that we've, it's, we've struggled with many a time, having a, a cue that sounds great to start with and then just starts sounding repetitive. And Dave gave this such a wonderful feeling of progression and, and changing, changing instrumentation. It all comes together there at the end. I, I just love it. It's one of my favorite cues. It's great. It's a very Breaking Bad-ish teaser that you guys have have uh, divided. Have there? I, I, I even mean, felt that in the script too. Yeah, yeah, it's, exactly. It's like wow, we're really exactly. being thrown headlong how into long, this dark how world. How many teasers have we had that don't have our our main characters in them? Have there been a lot of I seven? Kind of right. Blank. Because, uh, although there's a young Jimmy in seven. Right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that that's um, our guy and. Yeah, it's hard to think. I mean, you don't. You guys don't do that often. We don't. Like. We don't make a habit of it. Uh, we, we. It's not something we studiously avoid, but it's not something we leap to because obviously, you know, our our main characters are money in the bank, so we don't want to. Mm -hmm. But this, I love this teaser, and I, and the really uh, hats off to the entire Better Call Saul crew. I mean, just finding this place in the first place, Christian uh, Diaz de Bedoya, who are are amazing. Uh, there's that word again. Uh, location <laughs> manager and his guys, he's his awesome. scouts. He's awesome. He's fantastic. They, because the question he worked closely with uh, Tony Fanning, the production designer. Because we shows how little we know here in Albu uh, here in Burbank. They're 800 miles away in Albuquerque. We we had this idea, and Tom was working away in the script, and we thought, well, maybe can they shoot at a real border crossing? How much would it cost to send a splinter crew? down to the real and it's this is based on a real crossing into new mexico that's i think it's it's, it's called the santa Teresa crossing mm -hmm. which is a real crossing and it doesn't look exactly like this but it looks in the ballpark yeah and I was uh very know. very surprised when i was doing uh you know research and looking at photos of yeah. what border crossings look like uh yeah they, they really nailed it they really nailed it and maybe maybe uh, who knows back before 9 11 we could have shot at the real place, but it just—it's a different world now. I don't think there was any real possibility. We certainly could have never done never done a oneer like yeah. the one that Larissa, yeah. Larissa, and you know, and in fact, another crew the year before had done a border crossing. Sicario has a uh, has a has a wonderful border crossing mm -hmm. that they Absolutely. did yeah. more in downtown Albuquerque. That's right, uh, and it looks it looks oh, great, yeah. but it has a, it has a very they're I think doubling for uh, Tijuana, mm -hmm. I believe. Juarez, Juarez, oh, Juarez, yeah. Juarez. That's right. It's an, it's very impressive. Juarez and it's very, El Paso. Yeah. Juarez El Paso. Thank you. And so it's a bigger. It's it was that was a much bigger border crossing than the one that we that we felt we wanted to have the one that goes straight into new mexico because that's where our show takes place mm -hmm. so act one we start with uh an old pal the dog house like you guys yeah. oh, yeah. at the dog house that was fun and it was it was a much longer scene than what ended up in the show we were just timing wise we were so over on this <laughs> on this show so we kind of ended up cutting a lot of lines but the, the scene still gets across what you need to know about but it's cute that they're i mean you know they're obviously trying to save money they're off on a new venture but they're all they're just so happy with each other jimmy mm -hmm. and kim are so happy with each other and they're just having a good time but he really wants her to resign like now like like i want you to yeah hand in the resignation like now yeah we cut it we I think there was a uh what the hell's the name of that movie uh 
<laughs> oh, what? The Tom Cruise movie. Oh, then what? It was the Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. <laughs> yes, cocktail. Was, we went to the same joke. It was a Jerry Maguire. We both Jerry Maguire. A whole bunch of talk about Jerry Maguire and the way mm-hmm. the way he did in that movie, and uh, that, that got stripped out. Oh, that's maybe, what I was like going. Maybe it'll be on a special feature. That at all. <laughs> I don't know. It might be. So Kim's gonna go talk to Howard. And uh, Howard already knows. Howard already knows about that she's going to go with Schweikart and everything. He's heard through the grapevine. Yeah, he's uh, he's got his ear to the ground. He knows what's going on. Smart guy. But here's <clears> what <throat> I like about that that scene when I watched it. He's surprised to hear that, you know, she, she tells him, no, I'm going to go on my own. I'm going to hang my own shingle. But then he gives this long pause. And I thought that that was really, really neat. I yeah, mean, Patrick did the, a great uh, job. Patrick's great in that yeah, scene. He's really good. What was the uh, what was the thought behind? Was that in your script or was that, that? was in the that was in the script. It was just uh, Hamlin being sort of wistful about what could have been in his life. He when tells he a story about, about his, his dad. dad. Yeah, yeah, that that I mean, to be you know young and be a go getter and have dreams of what you want to do, and your your life takes a for many reasons will take a different path. And uh, he's just kind of he he likes Kim. He genuinely likes Kim, even though he's treated her like shit for a lot of episodes. Yeah, really. He, he he respects her, and he's kind of en- he's envious when she says when he's she's going to follow this dream of hers, which is go out on your own. But it's kind of funny because last year we talked to Patrick Fabian last year, and you know got his rundown of what he thought that Howard was all about before you guys revealed you know the stuff in episode one hundred nine. But this year, I think that that a lot of people sort of forgave him because they understood that he wasn't being mean to Kim. It was really at Chuck's bid. I mean, me, me to Jimmy is really at Chuck's bidding. But now it's like, you know, especially when I see this pause and I see that he knows all these things and, you know, he put her in doc review even when she got the Mesa Verde account and stuff. He's really a manipulative son of a bitch, you know. I, I think and he's even, complicated. But even after she leaves, he's he knows that she's right there and he says to her, Get you know to his secretary. Get Mesa Verde on the phone. No, I right think now. that's fair game, and and yeah. folks listening can feel free to disagree. I, I think he, I think like Tom said, he treats uh, Kim pretty miserably in, in episodes leading up to this one. But I think that's all's fair in love and war and 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 retaining clients. Those three things, I but guess. He I mean, knows he's, he's right there. Well, when he so says what? That. I mean, it's it's that's what you do. You got to retain your clients. And it is, bo- it well, is like it, that. Uh, I think they both know it too. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's just her. what yeah. it's just what they're both yeah. going to do. But they're have that this little moment when and i think it's genuine when you know he says good luck to you i think he means it yeah. and and i don't think people might watch and say oh that scene when he he gets on the on the intercom I, that takes away everything every nice thing he just said he really is a bad guy no that's no that's what you do you got to retain your client that's not that's that's kosher he's I moving on He's yeah. like, all right, let's I agree, keep but going. I just but, but, feel like the timing is very. Well, very no, you gotta, bad. you gotta get what, him on the phone. Quick. What else is he? Yeah, he knows that he knows that Kim's gonna get on the phone to those yeah. to to Mesa Verity right away. Of course, what else would she do? Yeah. What yeah, else would she do? That's why Jimmy wanted her to do it the night before, mm-hmm. but, which would have been kind of sleazy. Maybe, yeah, quasi legal, well, but not, sleazy. It's, yeah, it's not ethical. It's lawyers. You're supposed to give notice first to your employer and before. You tell your clients anything. Yeah, so she was doing it the right way. It's business yeah. etiquette. You know, it's it's an interesting. We had a long conversation with our 
our in-house expert, uh, Gordon Smith, who <laughs> talked to his, his in-house expert, his, his sister. And, and it would have been kosher for, for her to, to proceed the way Jimmy says, but it's not her style. Well, again, and she's, she's kind of a decent person. And that's why she didn't want to, in the last episode, she didn't want to go into business with him as partners because they have very different approaches that's to the true. law. And that, I think that, again, reflects that. He's like, let's do it my way. And she's like, let's do it the right way. This, and it's kind of, for a second, it's kind of back, you know, backfiring on her. Well, for, it is backfiring on her. So I don't ding, I don't, yeah, and I don't ding uh, Howard for that. Uh, but but I think it's perfectly, he's perfectly dingable for, I, I for, the, for, the, for the behavior <laughs> earlier. Though. I mean, they, that's pretty reprehensible the way he treats her in episode five. Yeah. When uh, mm-hmm. when she goes out of her way, she just kills herself to get Mesa Verity in the first place. And then he says, eh. I'll put uh, I'll put uh, Francis on that. You're needed in doc review. That was pretty shitty. It but, was. But I think I don't consider him a bad guy. I consider him a guy who's who's capable of some bad behavior. But I, I think there's some other feelings going on uh, there. There's some complicated feelings about her. But uh, but that's just me. Uh, that's just one person's take on it. But I I think you know good people are capable of some shitty behavior and bad people are capable of some occasional good and if not almost saint-like behavior once a, even a broken clock is is right twice a well, day but i gotta I, give it up to her because she can run in those heels that's the one thing i said when i was watching the thing i'm like look at girlfriend running those heels <laughs> <laughs> she really was uh there was some special ramp you guys built for her for that one shot where she's uh running through the offices and you just see a piece of her head over the dividers in yeah. the offices there was a it was either lower the dividers or put her on a ramp and the easiest thing was to put her on a little uh, ramped a razor just so you just see a bit of her head right, poking up over the tape. yes yeah. poking up over that uh, and wasn't someone waiting to catch her at the other end you know i don't remember somebody said that the other day and i i my i guess i was drinking a lot during this <laughs> i don't remember that she's uh, I think somebody was uh, Jax or, or Dolly <laughs> had to push that Dolly and run Ooh. along, you know, on a track following her. So that was the hardest part. That's impressive. Part of that whole thing was he was going full steam and he had to come to a stop at the end. That, <laughs> at the end dolly, of that track. And that Dolly, like by the way, weighs probably weighs four or five hundred pounds. Is not yeah. a light, yeah, not a light piece of equipment. It doesn't stop quick, and you got to run over the cross ties on the track too without tripping on them. Yeah. So that's that's impressive. Jax is great. Jax, Jax is, is incredible. So yes. you guys got um, you guys got Mike uh, scoping out and staking out the ice cream place, and so you get the truck driver who's now come across the border. He's gotten his gun. He's you know ate the popsicle and stuck a little stick in the ground, which is really cute. We didn't um, mention that that teaser was actually longer than what you see on screen because there, that one went on. Oh, he I didn't got, want to say anything. He got back in the yeah. truck, <laughs> yeah, that's right, and drove away. Yes, and it, there was another probably another minute, minute or two, minute, yeah. minute and a half at least. So yeah. you guys really only made it a tour because it was so long. No, Did no, you guys no. Cut it up. No, no, we just, we just snipped off the end. Yeah, we just, oh, snipped, just snipped off the end. Off the end. Yeah, oh, it went on like Tom said. It went on for another minute or two. And by the way, truck driver. Uh, was played by uh, Manuel Urisa. Did we already talk about him? What a great job he he's, did. No, he's terrific. He's awesome. No, he's, we, awesome. Uh, he's a great guy. And I think this introduction uh, to him, he's just hes just cool. You know, he's yeah, It's kinda, a great introduction for a character. It is. Yeah, and a truck. Real and sweet got to guy. Eat a paleta. Okay. But what I was going to get to was that you have him unloading the truck at the ice cream place. And then you have Tio arriving, and like, so who was the who thought of what kind of car Tio was going to drive? I think that's uh, so cool. 
Dennis Milliken, our transportation captain, who uh, is great, it like a Cadillac or something? It's like a it's, uh, it's an old Cadillac. Oh crap! No, it's I don't it's think a, it's a, is yeah. it an old Chevy. I bet Mike Barentrout knows. I bet hey, you he does. Hey Mike, it's a 1960 Chevy Impala. That's what it was. Oh, of course. <laughs> okay, good. I feel so Thank stupid. you, Mike. Thank you tongue. for that information. Thank you, Mike. You're welcome. But um, great color too. Uh, Dennis found it. Dennis and or his guys. Uh, his 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 amazing. T- oh, Jesus Christ. Amazing team. Uh, Just own it. I used to say wonderful. Now I say amazing. Uh, uh, fantabulous. <laughs> Dennis Milliken. Uh, and I love the color. I love that copper yeah. color. So Jimmy uh, has found an office for the two of them, an old dentist yeah. office. And uh, they're taking a look at it. And then Kim's wanting to keep Mesa Verde. Like she's found out that basically she got to keep them because she, you know, made the phone call, I guess, when she ran in her heels and... Yeah, Ray is so fun in that scene. It was just, uh, just I love the I way like she just gets on a too. roll and just goes off. I mean, it just yeah, they're the two, the double thumbs up. All yeah. that is so, so, is so just yeah, like that. So I love fun. it. Yeah. She's great to watch. She's so you, she's so cute. And then and there's that beautiful moment when she says to Jimmy, "What?" And he says, "I just love seeing you like this." He he loves it yes. when she's happy yeah. and energized. And uh, who's gonna who's gonna sabotage That'll last, that? Right? That'll last, of course. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? It's so much fun to watch happy people. We all love it. So after that, like Howard, you know, calls Chuck and, you know, or I guess he does he come over? He comes, he comes over, over, yeah. And he tells Chuck that Kim has left and that she's going to get to keep Mesa Verde. And so Chuck decides to, you know. Uh, and again, uh, it's really once he hears, once he hears this thing about Jimmy and Kim sort of joining forces. Right. It knocks his wind out a little bit and then he decides I got to do something. So I, 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 I wonder myself. Would he have done the same thing if Kim had just gone off on her own without Jimmy's assist? Would he have just said, oh, you know, well, we lost that one. We'll get another one. But no, he decides to, well, Jimmy to, is the to go out in the world. Not He's not going to wear his silver lined suit and just go out in the world and, and take care of business. All electricity right. on, too. All, everything on. He's not going to look, quote, unquote, crazy. Yeah. I, I told you um, last week when I watched this that I was really, really impressed with that piece of writing that you had done. For that scene, that was a that was a team effort for sure. That was what I was. That was the last scene I wrote. It was I felt like it was the hardest scene because I didn't I don't know anything about that. I did a lot of Wikipedia research and then uh, Ariel did Ariel. some great research about uh, different. You know, Regal Neal I think was. One of yeah, I just want to clarify. We're talking about I'm talking about the scene where it's Chuck and Howard and uh, Mesa Verde's Kevin and Paige. And he basically sort of uses sort of reverse psychology to show them how much better HHM is than Kim on her own. That this, that this, this what they're doing is so complicated that even though you have a superstar in Kim Wexler. Who they train. Who they train and is probably the best person for this job, you just cannot do it alone. Yeah. Right. It's, it is a group effort just like the scene was a group effort i couldn't mm-hmm. write this scene alone so it's Here like i am trying to give you all this credit <laughs> so well, well, how how you? are you? you're much too nice but ariel ariel do you have do you have a, a legal background no not at all how did you how do you go how do you go about finding yeah, out about this well, stuff wait what was the assignment for the, in the first place like how did they approach you to do this with this particular scene um you know i'd already done so much research about you know the um, interstate expansion you know in the entire mesa verde case and so um I pretty much had a very specific background on this one issue. And so um, I think you showed me the scene and I just kind of read it over and said, okay, well, this this would work here and this would work here and that sort of thing. So Regal Neal, you know, um, CRA compliance, uh, the Community Reinvestment Act is what that stands for. Um, and just kind of, you know, adding in 
little bits and pieces of things that uh, people would be talking about. Matt, I don't want to embarrass you, but I heard a rumor. Tell me if this is true. And if it's not, that's fine. I heard a rumor that you actually, on your own spare time on the weekend, went to a law library to read up on some of this stuff. Um, yes, I, that is true. I have done that. I did that a couple times. Um, you know, the internet is a wonderful thing, um, but sometimes you can't really, you know, get exactly what you're looking for on the internet, and so that's what I say too. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid internet, <laughs> books for me. Fudge, fudge. Now, but you know Horrible what? Bullshit. That's, <laughs> but you know what? That, that's the kind of dedication that that hap- That's why you know she's getting that promotion. That's it's, what happens. You know what? That's around r- here. People do that stuff. All joking aside, that's probably something. It'd be good to hear from Ariel a little bit here, her take on it. But uh, there's probably folks listening who listen to other podcasts too for other shows and whatnot. Who well, folks always there's always and I was I was in this place uh, many decades ago as well. Folks listening who how do I how do I get into this business? And there's a lot of ways into this business, but it's worth saying. And and Ariel can speak to this. If you get a job as an assistant on a show like like Better Call Saul or any show, what does it take to uh, to advance? What does it take to to excel? And I can I can you and I we can all speak to Peter certain well you you and I can speak to what we're looking for, and then Ariel can talk about it. But let me just start by saying this: there are a great many folks, and I was there myself. I could not have been I couldn't I would not have been as wonderful as Ariel when I was her age. I was I, I had a lot of growing up to do, and I would have been the guy who, if I lucked into the job as the assistant on, on some show that I loved, or or even if I didn't love the show, I'd have been the guy. Yeah, okay, I'll get the coffee and all that, but but maybe by the end of the first week, maybe I can like slip the slip the boss a script or say, you know, gee, when are you gonna let me direct something? You gotta when you get the job, the best way you're gonna impress the boss when you when you're starting off uh, fresh out of college or whatever, starting off as an assistant is being the best assistant, being the best. I mean, Ariel is like the best I've ever worked with because she, she came in and she just like, I don't know how to he say this. He tells that to everyone, just saying. So you, know. you hear that, Jen? <laughs> you hear that, Jen? Well. I'm just kidding. The, well. Jen, uh, the, 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 uh, the best. Jen Carroll is speaking off mic and she's agreeing. There's a mic right here. She, Here's Jen Carroll. I'm happy to go on record and say that Ariel is the greatest. The greatest, but, but uh, let me, let me, I'll, let me before I that. dig myself in deeper, the best PA I've ever, ever worked with, because Jen is my assistant. Jen's my best assistant I've ever had. But you can talk, you and Ariel can both talk about this. You hear that, you, Gordon? You ladies. <laughs> and Jenny. 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 <laughs> Jenny and Gordon. Oh, yeah. It is Left in the dust. Being an assistant on this show is not a zero-sum game, and I think we try and split as many things as possible. And any successes that Ariel has, reflect great on me and Joey and Heather and all of you. But, so but there is, but we do have, we do have in the office a leaderboard where it's his, it's his greatest, greatest <laughs> assistant ever. Which it's kind of, yeah. and, and, uh-huh. and sometimes it changes a right little now, bit. But Jenny, Vince will Jenny walk by somewhere. and he'll just take Jenny and stick Jenny that is, magnetic strip and put it at the bottom. Jenny's somewhere right now with like her something just went shot through her soul like uh, right. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Older <laughs> on blowing up. She's like, oh, what was that? Jenny's a co producer on the show. She's no, no, she wants to be best the sound, of, the sound of a thousand the souls screaming, or whatever it was. She's, she's doing fine. Yeah. Listen, you know I, I, before we get too far from the, I, I, I have not expressed myself well here, but I do. There is a valuable point to be made here. 
if you if you want to do this job, if you want to get into this business, if you're starting off as an assistant, if your first job is to get coffee, if your first job is to make the lunch run, you got to concentrate on that at first. Be the and best at that. Be the best at that. It sounds with a smile and, and, on and your I, face. I say that because we live in a world now of instant gratification, where we are expected. Where not sound like an old fart, you know, like waving my fist at the sky, mm. but it's just like it used to be better in the old days. But we live in a world now of instant gratification where kids are brought up to be like, you know, I, you're a winner, you're a winner, you know, from like age one, you know, it's like there are no losers, there are only winners. And you, you got to pay your dues and this, not, and not just kid. this business in any business, but <laughs> it's just like, it, it, seriously though. And the, the, uh, Jen and uh, Ariel are two good examples of, of folks who, you know, Ariel's going to a law library. No one told her to do that. She's going to a law library on the weekend. And I have to say, I only, I only just found out about this, this law library behavior recently. And it had nothing. To, it was, I found out from a third party named Joey Lou. Uh, and so and so this is uh, Take that, Joey. It's, it's 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 but the thing is you know we're man we are yeah. and if, if, you, we're if also, you get one of these assistant jobs and you feel like things aren't going well the other thing is just to steal as many office supplies <laughs> as you can on your way this out yeah. Steal. And this, definitely, definitely, yeah. this is good slowly over time and this is good yeah. just, yeah. just yeah. Yeah. when you go pick up lunch don't just mess up the side orders on purpose obviously the run on this podcast get yeah. enough condiments Get but, tons but, of condiments. And Jen, Jen is like, Jen is producing this. I mean, uh, you guys are obviously the, the running this podcast, Kelly and, and Chris, but uh, Jen is producing this. It would not, it would not happen it, without Jen. Teamwork but, makes the dream work. Teamwork makes the well, dream work. So true. But to, I, that's my to, to what you're saying, I, I, and Kelly has said this many times, is that, and she said that I'm Breaking Bad, and the same is true here, is that it is a place where dreams come true. And if you put in the effort and you, you you have the opportunity to do as much stuff as you want, and if you just want to do the base level of work, that's fine. You'll, you'll do fine and everybody's really nice about it. But if you want to excel and yeah. you want to move up and you want to learn and like take the opportunities that are presented at your feet and you, you're willing to put in the extra time as Ariel has done, as Jen has done, as Gordon, as I did, we and Trevor, did. Curtis, that's true. everybody, there's a, there's a lot of work that people might say, well, am I getting, I'm not, that's not my job. I'm not getting paid for that. Well, so what? So what you're not getting paid for? You're, you're given this incredible opportunity. Oh, and by the way, everybody's getting paid. Yeah. It, but, to, <clears throat> but to what you're yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. Ariel doing that, it's not because she works for slave drivers who are like, take your time on the weekend. You get out of here. You go do this thing. She did it because she saw the opportunity. She wanted to be better. And she wanted to contribute in the best way that you guys were giving her the opportunity to do. It's, it's. I don't think it's like that everywhere. And, I, and I think what you're saying well, is that not everybody is willing is, to take that opportunity well, and yeah. run with it. But it, I'd like to make the point. I'm, I'm sorry. No, you go for but it. But I'd like to make the point. It, it, not every job is equally a wonderful Disneyland of a nope. place to, to, to hang nope. out at. But but so what? Doesn't matter. It's it's you, 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 these two ladies right here are winners. Jen and Ariel, and they 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 you know that's why Jen is right like for instance uh, one of many many things the better call Saul comic book and and it's just they're winners and they t you know and you gotta if you get these jobs and you say well but what I really want to do is direct and you're laying a script on the boss's desk uh, you know at the end of week two and dropping uh, uh, ham-handed hints about you know when are you gonna let me direct something you shouldn't be there you, you gotta have to pay, earn you, it you gotta earn it you, you know for the it. most part everybody above you has done that job Yep. For the most part, there are some exceptions, but for the most part, everyone above you has done what you're doing right now. So they know 
they know what it's like to stock the refrigerators and they know what it's like to come in early and get stuff ready for, you know, a spotting session or stuff like that. I mean, they know. And, you know, it's like here, this place is really, really great. Most places out there are not as good, but hopefully you will have, you know, a showrunner or a set of showrunners that are not abusive and they're not mean. And usually it comes from the top down. I mean, I will say that, you know, for the most part, everybody here likes doing the going the extra mile because you guys are so nice about you guys are nice to work for you know when you're nice up at the top it makes people want to go the extra mile it inspires loyalty yeah it does here's the only the only thing i'd add to all this is that especially when you haven't been around show business mostly what you see is you know you see stories in vanity fair about you know how everyone's doing drugs or doing what doing whatever uh the truth is if you go to a movie set or if you go to post, you will never see a group of people that it has more hustle and focus. Yeah. And it's, 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 a, it's a beautiful thing to see. And it's something I think Jonathan Banks will talk about eventually in another, perhaps another podcast. <laughs> but it's one of the things I love about show business. And you can say a lot of, a lot, there's certainly a lot of terrible things about show business. And there's certainly a lot of crappy sides to it. A lot of hardworking but, but, professionals. But there are people who have enormous hustle and an enormous care in their work. And uh, if you want to be part of it, it's a great reason to be in show business. Some of the other stuff that you may read about more is actually peripheral to show business. And as especially you start reading about bad behavior uh, by, by people both uh, high and low. And that to me is not at the core of it. The core of it is people who really care about their work and then put 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 the extra effort, like going to a law library on the weekend. Yeah. Or, you know, there's uh, just jumping ahead since we are talking about Ariel, you know, all the paperwork that you see later on in this in this episode, there is. A wonderful montage that Larissa you love has. Paperwork montages, <laughs> but this is the episode for you. That's <laughs> true. That's true. But every bit of that, every bit, every document that you see, we're we're very aware that all the documents are visible on screen, mm-hmm. and and in this episode, and in earlier episodes, and subsequent episodes. Well, I'm very proud to say that even if you freeze frame on an image of documents, those documents will will be accurate. They will be per- pertain to the scene that we're watching. They even won't be the, gibberish. They won't be. You yeah. can even the shredded documents and, in and everything uh, 108. Is spelled right. That's right. These are all real looking invoices that are. If you put them together, you could solve a, a mystery. You could solve yeah. a mystery or open could, a nursing home. That's right. <laughs> you could actually open a nursing home or or open a bank branch with the all the material that uh, that Ariel has Ariel has generated you did a and great we're job so we're so proud of that and it's also something that i think people on the set notice so the actors when they're when they're when they're interacting with these documents it's not just a bunch of gobbledygook and of course in this this episode especially we get a great big look mm-hmm. at some of those doc i was oh, surprised yeah. i was close. shocked there was so much material shot for that that montage i thought there'd be no way that we would use it all and I don't. It, Curtis Thurber uh, edited that montage. That, that he sequence, edited yeah. the hell out of that sequence, and Amazing it's got this job. great little Barry music, yeah. and it, it just, I just love it. I could watch it. I could watch. This one of my favorite paperwork montages. I love that song. of all time. That little Barry song. <laughs> little Barry, of course, created our uh, Better Call Saul uh, theme music at the during the title sequence every week, and yeah, it's great having a piece of music by him yeah. in the body of the show. Yes, and so that was. I think it's also a, it's a showcase for Little Barry. It's a showcase for Curtis. 
It's a showcase for Larissa, and it's also a showcase for Ariel Absolutely. because there's a <laughs> there's every word up there makes sense. How many hours did all that stuff take? Um, God, I have no idea. Probably, you know, it was a team effort. Also, I mean, you know, Jen and Joey and Heather all, you know, really helped with that. You know, editing things and coming up with you know great ideas for what you know what sort of documents these these people might have that might have addresses and, on them. And it's such an so, old it's the old school way of doing things. I mean, it's been a long time since you had to like sit at a copy shop with a with some glue stick. And I'm not saying that necessarily when you were when anyone was doing that, they were doing nefarious work, right? Is that the right word? But Mm -hmm. but they were, you know, let's say you were trying to update your resume and you're doing a cut and paste job. That literally was cutting and pasting, and right, it's something that we don't do anymore. So it was kind of neat seeing, you know, the old way of doing things with an exacto knife and a, you know, a ruler and. Yeah. <laughs> God, there was a lot of all hands on deck on that whole sequence, and yeah. just and liquid ju- paper. Just explaining, just explaining to everyone who needed it. Explain to them all and the folks felt in like the crew. We were shooting close-ups of paperwork forever. Yeah. Because we did, we shot the copy shop and didn't get everything done, so we. We're taking these documents from set to set. Like while Ray was doing her running scene, we had another camera in HHM filming close up the documents. Oh yeah. And we didn't wow. you know, finish that that day, so we would take it to another it was just <clears throat> these documents just moved all over the place. Wow. <laughs> getting all these close ups. And wow. it's 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 certainly you guys did a great job. And then we shot we shot a little bit more later in post where we were shooting the inside mm-hmm. of the uh, the yeah. Xerox machines. And it's, uh, it was, it, I'm, I'm just, I, I think that's a great sequence. It's kind of stuff on a movie. You'd have a whole second unit crew oh, yeah. working right. like a month straight. It's just, I, I'm just constantly blown away by what, by what our crew manages to do on the very tight financial, but mostly time constraints uh, they work under. It's just really amazing. Let's jump to one of my favorite scenes of the show, the airbase scene. Yay. One of your favorites too, Vince, yeah. I bet. <laughs> Double Eagle Airport, shout out to them. Got to give a shout out. I want to I want to say give a shout out. That B29 is That's Fifi. That's the B29. Fifi. That is Fifi, that is her real name. Fifi is just as the as the air captain uh, the Air Force captain explains in the in the scene. That is the world's last flying B29 Superfortress. It is the last one in the world that flies. There's a few. There's one actually in uh, Albuquerque that's on static display, but that is the this last is when one that flies. we wrote the scene. We thought yeah. we were just going to be using that, that static one that was already in Albuquerque, and it turns out that the it's airfield a, the, there does not look like an airfield. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a It's a museum adjacent uh, to Kirtland Air Force yeah. Base. I'll take, yeah. I'll, take, I'll take partial responsibility for it because I, I was at the Atomic Museum and I had noticed that they, were, they had these planes back there. And so that was when we were in the writer's room, we were all under the illusion that this thing was just sitting there just and sitting we'd be there. able to use it. Film it. Sure, and no how problem. Can we, we'll make it look like it's on an air base, right? And then, of course. Well, the original, to be, to be fair to us, which sounds like a funny way of saying it, but, the, <laughs> but the, uh, I think the original idea was I, I, the scope of our imagination was not big enough to assume that we could get the last flying and I want to give credit in a second to who made this happen for us, who helped make this happen. But uh, we, our, our original thought was that it was a static display museum piece, but mm-hmm. that the museum was within the confines of Kirtland Air Force That's Base right. so that they still had to sneak in, but we weren't going to pretend it was actually flying or anything. But Larissa, and you, I think you and Larissa scouted it, the folks scouted it, our, our producers, uh, Melissa Bernstein and Robin Sweet and Nina Jack are, are amazing. There's that word again, producers. And they, everyone's looking at it, and they said, 
gee, is this what you guys really want? And they showed us photos. Mm-hmm. And this is a place worth visiting, by the way. It's great, but it just it was wasn't going to fit our needs. So I think Robin and Melissa said, "Well, maybe we can get a real plane." And I happen to know because I've I've uh, I've actually visited this uh, Fifi in Richmond, Virginia, probably back in the late '80s. This thing's been flying since uh, about 1971, I think, thereabouts, early '70s. Uh, and I'll talk about the folks who run it in a second, but uh, who, who who keep it flying. This travels uh, America. This uh, Fifi, the B-29, and her crew travel America. And you can you can visit, and you should if you get the chance, by all means, visit Fifi when she comes to an airport near you. But uh, I was aware of this, so they said, well, if we can get a flying uh, bomber, maybe let's get the real thing. And my, my brain wasn't big enough to, to have generated that idea by myself. Our amazing so producers said... It had to have been booked. I mean, it was just this thing flies all over the place. How would it be available for the very limited time frame that we needed yeah. it? Yeah. And it just turned out that it was, it was uh, and they were able to fly it in. And, and Rob Overbeck, our APOC, and that stands for Assistant Production Office Coordinator, really made this happen. He works in, uh, in the production office of Better Call Saul, and he contacted the CAF, which is the Commemorative Air Force, uh, the vintage fly. And CAF, by the way, is all over the country. They, they do God's work. They're out there keeping old uh, World, War, World War II era warbirds flying and teaching the history of, of the air war in World War II and in Korea and in Vietnam, uh, teaching that to new generations. And the vintage, so there's different uh, chapters all around the world. This is a Texas chapter. Uh, they operate the Vintage Flying Museum down in Fort Worth, Texas. And they fly Fifi. And like I say, I've, I've visited Fifi going back to the 80s and uh, never actually got to fly in her. But uh, I want to give a shout-out to Stephen Brown. He's the president and CEO of the chapter down there. And then there is, this is the crew of Fifi, uh, Curtis Wester. He's the APU operator. Mary Mount, she's the plane captain. Uh, Glenn Mount, uh, her husband, is a scanner. Phil Pardon is a scanner. Ben Powers, the crew chief. Brad Pilgrim's the engineer. John Oliver's the co-pilot. David Oliver is the pilot. So this is the wonderful bunch of folks who came in uh, to to Double Eagle Airport with Fifi, flew her in, and they were such a pleasure to work with. And I finally got to go up at Fifi uh, the day before uh, we were shooting. I got to take a ride in her, and it was just life-changing. If you get the chance, it's expensive, but it's worth every penny. Uh, and, and can you imagine how difficult it is to keep this plane airworthy and running uh, 50, 60 years after it was built? Oh, my God, no. Ford is built in 44. What is that? That's Whoa. 72 years. 70, I think yeah. this one was built in 44 or 45, 71, wow. 72 years old. That's, that's, amazing. that's amazing. So <laughs> if you see it in your local paper or whatnot or look it up on the Internet, see if it's coming near to a town near you, it, it, you can go up in it. You pay for a ticket and go up in it. And when you look at the price tag for the ticket, you're going to be like, oh, shit, that's expensive. Just know that it's worth every penny as an experience. And the folks who work on this aircraft, none of them get paid. It's absolutely a labor of love and uh, worth, worth every penny, I would say. But these guys were so great, so much fun to work with. And, and that's I'm sorry I've been long-winded here, but this is a, like a passion of mine. And uh, I didn't mean to bogart the conversation, but these guys, it was so great having Fifi on our show. It just, it was a highlight for me of, of both series. That's great. And you can imagine, I always think about on, on Memorial Day when we have a few vintage aircraft go over uh, in Southern California here in the San Fernando Valley, that uh, in the 40s, the sky was, in Southern California, was filled with these planes. That's and right. It's just, it's just amazing to think 
that there's only only one left that is actually still airworthy. Yeah, that the sky was thick with uh, with, uh, with fighters and bombers and whatnot, winning winning the war for uh, you know winning and, World War Two. And for, of course, you know for, the, you know the old story about Jack Warner, right? Because because no, uh, Warner Brothers, oh, yeah, right, Warner that, Brothers yeah. is right here, and he was he was always where the Japanese were going to come and bomb the aircraft factory. So he uh, he he had them paint on the top of the sound stages, <laughs> Lockheed this way, with a big arrow. <laughs> is it true or is that no, apocryphal? No, I'm sure it's apocryphal. Uh, he also he also was a he was also a, a non non fighting officer, but still wore a uniform every day. That's so, right, wore a uniform every day so, to work at yes, Warner Brothers. Yes, that's right. So, talk about fudge. Fudge, talk you, you talk, yes. talk about. It. I've been talking about too fudge. much. Talk about fudge. Tell us, tell us, uh, tell us how about the origin of this character. It's kind of an unusual story. This was a character uh, who was, was written because he auditioned for episode two hundred three. He can't. He read for one of the people on the bus, and his audition was so unusual and stuck with us that we were like, we got to use this guy somewhere. And I think once we started talking about what the scam was going to be. That we started thinking we should use Robert Grossman, uh, who played Fudge. His audition for two or three was riveting. We were just like, yeah, we got a pair of sunglasses on, and he he pulled them off in this dramatic. It was like like CSI Miami. He pulled them off and he delivered the lines and put them back on. It was like, what? This guy's in a whole other show. <laughs> he was so funny, and, and, and unfortunately, he didn't quite fit into the world of two hundred three. No, I thought he, he would have been. We, I thought we were like, we need a bigger role for him. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this, this 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 bus will not contain him. <laughs> this bus, exactly. <laughs> With all the other uh, elderly folks, yeah. Which actually goes back to something I think we've talked about before, which is an audition is not the end of something. Just because you don't get a certain role doesn't mean that they're not thinking of you for something far more significant, yes, as is the case right here. Yeah, I mean, Mr. Case Kettleman, we, uh, Mark Brooks auditioned for Mr. Kettleman, and I was like, I <laughs> I loved him, and I, I think when uh, Price came up, I was I was really pushing for <laughs> yeah. pushing for, for Mark. Yeah, but uh, I love Fudge. Where'd you come up with the name Fudge? It just it was a name that sounded completely filthy. <laughs> that I, I could come up with a reasonable explanation why he was named Fudge. <laughs> so Fudge stuck, and I named him after a, a fellow, uh, uh, my wife and I know, Tim Talbot. But we didn't use the name Tim because we couldn't get the rights to Tim for some reason. So we had, I forget what first name we did end up using, but uh, Fudge Talbot was named after. Her. Uh, this this writer Tim Talbot who wrote the uh, Stanford Prison Experiment. Oh wow, right on. <clears throat> so talk about that. I don't know if we talked about that before, but every name we come up with uh, for every character ever on all these shows, we have to run the name through clearances. And it's not like you can't name someone a name. It, it it's not that the name has to have never been used in the history of the world. It's like, that if there's one Tim Talbot in New Mexico, mm -hmm. for instance, yeah. then you can't use you it. Can't use it. If it, it helps if there's a bunch of people named. Yeah. Your it's either like nobody's name that has that name or there's or, a bunch of people. Like John Smith, you could John name Smith. all day long. You mm -hmm. name someone John Smith because there's a million of them. So in the last part of the show, I mean, Jimmy's gone. And basically, Jimmy went over to uh, babysit Chuck because Chuck, this whole thing of Chuck going you know, into the office without his special suit on is really, really worn him out. And he's sort of under the blanket. He's sort of scaring Ernie, who's been taking care of him. And He's cowering under this blanket and just shivering, and he's really sick. So Jimmy's gone over to uh, to take care of him, and that's when he realizes that he could actually he go can out do something. He can make a change because uh, that's right. Right after that, right before that, he realized that Kim that lost. Kim lost yeah. uh, and Chuck is the one who took it away. Chuck, God, uh, Chuck. 
<laughs> but uh, what's, what's interesting is that, you know, Chuck, Chuck wakes up the next morning and he has this heartfelt thing about, you know, thank you for taking care of me. I would have done the same thing for you. You know, what's Jimmy feeling at that point? I think he feels like crap when his brother says Really? He doesn't think that, that. He, that there may be like a little, like, really? You don't think that? Do no, you think I think he would Chuck is genuine. Back? I don't. Do you think Jimmy would take it back? Take back what he did? Yeah. Oh, I think he's thinking about it. Yeah, I think he, he I mean, I, I. hopefully we went out on that scene wondering what what Jimmy's going to do. Is he going to do the right thing? But then, you know, <laughs> love is more important sometimes. There you go. <laughs> and then we end the we end the show on uh, on Mike having this. This was a great episode for me and Jonathan Banks, I think, because I didn't give him any dialogue or barely any because he's such a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> he just fucks with me constantly you say with that his boom bullshit, here. and I want to. Mike wouldn't say this or that. Doesn't he call you the little prince? He calls me the little prince. Does uh, he really? Yeah, he does. I think we talked about that last year on the yeah. podcast. I yeah. he had to. We recorded three of these today. This is our last one, and and he had to leave after lunch. He was a he was a he was a, a real minch to show up for this. But I wanted to stick around for this one because just you two together are no, like I peanut butter and chocolate. No. <laughs> no. So sick of him. We would have never gotten to talk <laughs> about the episode. I think even less dialogue next year for him. <laughs> he doesn't need it. It's like just sit there in the car and eat your sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> eat your pimento sandwich. Eat your pimento, eat your pimento sandwich. <laughs> So uh, we end the episode with this kind of cryptic scene where, where Kaylee, Kaylee is at, at Pop Pop's house. She call him Pop Pop? Pop Pop. I don't think she uses Pop Pop. Uh, well, actually, uh, Stacy does. Pop Pop has to, has to oh, okay. continue this on another day or something, Pop-pop. she says. And, and so she's helping him use the power tools and she's, uh, power tools and she's got the glasses mm-hmm. on and everything. And Abigail, and Abigail like, Lewis is so cute. She's, she's just, she's, let's give her a big shout out. Cause yeah. she, she, she is does, so adorable she in this is such a, and she and, uh, she and Jonathan makes, uh, makes such a, such a great little pair there. They, they, they do a great job. And Maybe he's got you her. Better teachers. <laughs> I love her. She's and so he, cute. And he's got her drilling a hose. So what, what the heck is, and then he's watching the hose. Washing his hose. Soap. I wanted to go really sexual in that scene. I thought an old man washing his hose would be <laughs> you know, gloves, rating pur- his gold, pur- wearing purple gloves. <laughs> the way nature in intended. Motion, huh? the way it was like we did. We did a whole like flash dance sequence. <laughs> Him just wet his whole his wet shirt. Really erotic, God. but uh, we, we had to cut it for time. <laughs> but he's putting nails. What is this about? What's well, going it's one of those things that you do. I mean, it's like knitting. It's it's putting just nails to, in you a don't hose. Sit in front of the TV and watch. Uh, Ariel, this girl is this Friday something that they had you research putting, on sticking nails Stick, in a hose. No, nails. <laughs> he's going to put it over the front door. Maybe you know, it is a soaker hose for the rhododendrons, and the nails kind of direct the flow of the water. Once I the, think that's probably could yeah. be. I mean, there's just so many possibilities. And he might have a rat problem, and the rats get stuck on the nails. Out of his rhododendrons, could happen. It could be. Hey, or maybe yeah. he's gonna maybe he's gonna use it as a pillow, because Mike is one <laughs> tough yeah, sob. It's one of those really like is. those buckwheat pillows or whatever, or yeah. those pillows that are just look like sleeping on rocks. I've got one of those. They're actually pretty comfortable. Don't they make a lot of noise? I stand though? corrected. No, well, I, you know, you might not like it. I don't know. It, it <laughs> you conforms know, you... to your neck. That's what helps. But me. don't is they it, make noise? Is it nails? And no, great... it's not nails. No, it's buckwheat. <laughs> buckwheat. Bag buckwheat. of nails. And then in the morning, <laughs> bag of glass. If, you're, if you have, if you don't have breakfast, you just throw your pillow in boiling water, and there's, there's a delicious <laughs> breakfast. Exactly. Ariel, I have a question. Yes. What would, if you could, off the top of your head, can you think of one of the weirdest requests that has ever been asked of something to research? Everything between us is personal, so think of something else. <laughs> Fair enough. 
I mean, she's written all the baseball games that Mike listens to whenever mm, he's got that little earpiece right. in. Oh, wait a minute. You do those? Yes. Yes, that's me. How? Are you a baseball fan? No. Damn, you're good, girl. <laughs> well, actually, um, Jenny, um, Jenny's husband, Andrew, always, help, always you know, kind of helps right. give, no, give a round of notes. Well, he, he loves um, his baseball. He and does, then it, he knows his stuff. Well, we're getting the high sign again. Uh-oh. She's a fan, fan Jen, of the high sign, that Jen, Jen Carroll. Giving, you want to say good, goodbye, Jen, since you're on it so we're, earlier? We're going to get the uh, the hook. You wanna, you, if yeah, you're going to be giving us the hook. Tell, like, us, the hook. tell like, us why you're shutting us down. Yeah, tell, tell, yeah, tell, why are you shutting tell us down. why it's time to be over. It's, uh, it's margarita time for Jen Carroll. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Is there, there's an unnamed award program that's about to, to start airing? Yeah, we all got to go. Yes. Go, go, Brian, go Brian Cranston. Are we I'm allowed to mention it without paying the Oscars? It's, isn't that a trademark? <laughs> Should we just bleep it out? Yeah. I don't um, think. I don't think. I think we say it. It's, it's a big awards use. program. Big awards program. Fair use. Whatever you call it. Oh, I hope Brian wins. And he I think deserves, it, he we, deserves to win. We said it on another podcast, but it's worth saying again. And it'll long be over by the time anyone hears this, but <laughs> we are so proud of him. We're so proud of Brian. It's just, it, it's astounding. Thank you guys for uh, coming out. I didn't out agree again. to any of this. <laughs> um, Tom's refusing to sign a release. Tom and Ariel, thanks for coming out. And, and uh, Vince and Peter, again, thanks for sticking around and doing being a part and you know, creating this show that we all get to work on week after week. Day nada. And, uh, <laughs> and Kelly, thank you for being here. And thank you, Chris. And having me be a part of this. And Jen, thanks for making it all happen. And special thanks to Chris Sullivan for no reason in particular. And uh, Tom, we're doing something different this year. Rather than have Bob say Better Call Saul, we're having um, one of our esteemed guests do it. So if you could... Did we do this on 201? I don't remember nah, any dude, of this. No, we didn't. No, nope, we didn't. New. This is new. This is new. Okay. So you got to do your best Bob imitation. Yeah, you did, you, your best Saul you imitation. Can I do you Fudge doing Bob? Take us yes! Out. yes, perfect. Yeah. Total bullshit. Better call Saul. <laughs> 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 and thank you guys for listening. Uh, <laughs>